I'm always getting asked, what should I do with my engagement ring? Well, I finally have the answer. Sell it with Worthy. I'm partnering with Worthy so you can turn your wedding jewelry into cash, fast and risk-free. Worthy is great because their competitive auctions ensure you get the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on by selling with Worthy. If you're ready to move on from your ring, visit worthy.com moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com moms when you're ready to move on. Back to school season is coming up, which can be difficult for those going through a divorce. This is especially true when alcohol and child safety is a concern. On the Moms Moving On podcast, you know it is my mission to make divorce the easiest on children. And if you are preparing for co-parenting during back to school and you're worried about your child's safety, then you have to know about Soberlink. I've partnered with Soberlink to help offer resources to help you navigate the upcoming back to school season. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to help prove sobriety in custody cases. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition that allows you to receive real-time updates from monitored co-parents anytime, anywhere, allowing for swift intervention for improved child safety. They have helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time for peace of mind during child custody cases. Soberlink is currently offering free back to school and divorce packets that include a Q&A with a top divorce attorney, back to school checklist, communication tips, and more. Request your free packet today at www.soberlink.com forward slash MMO. This week on Moms Moving On. The things come to us that we can handle and really like you're going, I think like trust your gut, even with every like parenting decision, you know what's right for you and your like family of one or your family, you know, like your your little family that you created and just trust that. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Moms Moving On. I have a very special guest on today, and I know I say that a lot, but I think this is the first time in Moms Moving On history that I have a family member on to chat with us. And that's exactly who I have today. Sharon Minsky, who is, I don't know, like a a second or third cousin. Yeah. Yeah, Our moms, our families grew up together, first cousins. And now I have the pleasure of calling Sharon my cousin. And she is an amazing single mom, single mom by choice to two beautiful six-year-old girls. And watching her life with them has always inspired me because while I was only a single mom for a short time, I know all that it takes to be that. And so Sharon, thank you for being here with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, most recently you took your girls um, on the new Disney cruise. Yeah. Yeah, In August. 
I can't even take myself on a cruise, to be honest, without like spazzing out. There's so much to do. There's so much to see. There's so many places to go. And I, you know, I I looked at your pictures and I just thought to myself, wow, like you have spent the last six years growing into this role as mom, single Mm -hmm. mom to two beautiful kids. And you've done it. I mean, from what we can tell. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the outside is always different than, (laughs) yeah. But I think, you know, it's, there are so many women in today's day and age that prefer to parent solo. And I think your journey, your, your story would be really interesting to hear. So if you wouldn't mind sharing. Sure. Um, So when I was 35, I mean, I had been thinking about it for a while before that. I just hadn't found the right person. I'd been on a million blind dates. And I just felt like I was putting this pressure on myself as I got older, that immediately on that first blind date, it's like, could this be my husband? Could this be the father of my kids? And that wasn't helping anything. I wasn't allowing myself to just like go with the flow. I mean, it's part of my nature to like be over analytical and kind of like a planner. Um, But so, yeah, so I just, you know, as I was in my thirties and I was like, you know what, if I turn 35, and I haven't met the right person, like, this is something I'm going to do. And then the reality, then I actually turned 35. And I was (laughs) like, oh, like, am I really going to do this? Um, And I made an appointment at a fertility clinic, and initially went in and asked, like, what's the difference between freezing my, should I freeze my eggs? Should I go forward? And when they explained to me the process of freezing your eggs, which was really like, basically going through IVF in a way, and that that isn't even a guarantee that the em- an embryo is more of a guarantee than an egg. And so if I was going to make an embryo, I was still going to have to choose a sperm donor. Like it just to me, like that meeting just said, like, you know what, like you're going to do this. Just do it. Like, what are right? What are you waiting for? And and I am, like I said, a very overanalytical person. I, I like I, I like it stops me from doing a lot of things in my life, but this was one of those instances where I didn't overanalyze and like honestly, best decision I ever made. That's incredible. So you I you know, I know there's like this there's like this stigma about single moms and I post about it all the time. It's like stop feeling sorry for this person and and start encouraging them and and applauding them for all that they're able to do because you're not any less of a mother just because you don't have a partner. Have you found that to be challenging in the way people approach you or their attitudes about your choices? I think that, honestly, I think that anybody, like I only hear the good, like thankfully, like nobody's, I'm sure people are talking, you know, when I made the decision or when I was pregnant, I'm sure people in the community were talking about it, but those people stayed quiet. And I actually find the opposite of that. I I hear a lot of like, you're so brave, you're my role model, you're my hero. And I, and it makes me sometimes like, I can't um, let myself take that as a, as a compliment. Like, I'm like, oh no, they don't know that I'm over here yelling at them, you know, in the car on the way to school or like, like that, like I have this like feeling of like, like, so I haven't ever felt like the the pity or the whatever, I feel like this adoration that I don't think I deserve, if that like makes sense. Well, you do. And I think when people say that to you, and I know from, you know, moms who become single moms after divorce, 
people say it to be encouraging and also because they realize that they may not be able to do what you're doing and it wows them. And mm-hmm. to you, it, it feels like nothing. This is your life. This is this is your role. And for other people, it seems like such a giant mountain to climb. But, you know, the women that I work with are adjusting from having a partner to not having a partner. And 150% of them across the board always say, I mean, it's not that hard parenting by myself because I realized I was doing everything on my own before anyway. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I'm I think sure a lot like, of people tell you that. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is also like, I I went into it knowing that I was going to be doing it as a single mom. Whereas a lot of the women you work with, like you really thought like, you know, you were married or you were in a relationship that you were going to, you never thought you were going to be doing it alone. Whereas like, this was always my reality that I was going to be doing this alone. Maybe one day I'll meet someone. And even then these are my girls, even if we end up sharing some sort of responsibility, but I never had, I didn't go into it with any expectation that I I always knew was going to be me, like me and them. So how has that been for you? How, like, how is it being by yourself with them 24 seven? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a co-parent where you're like, okay, I have a weekend to myself. I'm going to breathe and maybe take a nap and get my nails done. How is, how do you balance it all? It's been hard. I, I'm also very, I'm introvert. So like my adult life, life, I lived by myself. And then all of a sudden I found myself with like two little humans that would never leave, you know, like, so it was very, the adjustment, it's not, it's not easy. I think that now they're in school full time that gives you know like even with work it gives me flexibility i try to find ways to have them like spend some time with my mom or like you know i think as they get older it gets a little easier because they have play dates and sometimes they don't even want to be with me and then sometimes in those moments i find myself like who am i like what am i doing i have these am i without these little people yeah i know yeah that's really hard for me yeah i think it was hard it was harder in the beginning and it still is. I mean, it is 24 seven. Like I'm talking about now going on this trip in May to Israel for a week with like a group of moms. And I'm like, when we were talking about it, I said, you know, I've never been away from them for more than three days. Like one weekend was the most I've ever been away from them. And while there's this part of me, that's like, I can't wait. (laughs) Then there's this other part of me that's like, what's, you know, like, what is that going to be like? Yeah, for sure. And you have, you know, thankfully you, you have a village to rely on. Yeah. I don't think, and that's one of the things is like, I know I belong to this forum called single moms by choice. And, um, and I've been on it since I started even trying, like thinking about it. And there's a lot of women who live in communities where they don't have their family. And I don't know how they do it because that for me is like the luck of having my, both my parents nearby, having my siblings, it is a village and I don't know how those moms who, who do it like kind of isolated, it's a lot harder. I think. It is. And I, and I hear from women all the time who are like, I really have nobody. And that's where, I mean, I wrote about this in my book because it was the same for me when I got separated, I was just like always with my mom and she helped me with everything. And I think sometimes you take for granted how special and how lucky you are to have that until you hear from people who don't. And that's why I write about the importance of creating a village, like 
joining a support group, finding the mom friends who speak your language, who you're comfortable reaching out to when you're at the end of your rope and about to scream. Because I mean, I think no part of motherhood can be done without support and without a village, especially single motherhood. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even, yeah. And as I've gotten older and now I have like relationships with some of their friends' moms, like kind of establishing which are the ones that you know will like pick them up from school if you somehow can't make it or take them to the after school. It's it's creating those kind of backups in your life. Yeah. So I know for co-parented children, like when Bella has a friend over, they'll refer to my husband as her dad. And Bella will be very quick to correct them. Like, no, that's not my dad. That's my stepdad. And they're like, huh? But where's your dad? And where does he live? And when she was younger, when she was about four and these questions started coming in, I noticed that she would freeze and not know what to say. And I would freeze and not know what to say. And I felt, you know, if if only the adults in the situation, the friends of the parents would explain and, and open their eyes to the fact that not every family looks the same. Do you have these experiences with your girls? I do. I mean, so they're both very different. Um, and so one of them is very, like, it's hard to tell if she's even like in tune with what's going on sometimes. Like she's just like, <laughs> I, I mean, she's there, but she's just like, you know, like she's like in her own world sometimes. My other daughter is very, like, she asks all the questions. She, she remembers everything. Like you could have told her something when she was three years old and she still remembers it. And so I, like, from the very beginning, I would mention things like we've had books about different families, like mm-hmm. little kid books that talk about like some families have a mom and dad, some kids live with their grandparents, some have one parent, like always making that a part of the conversation. And so they've always known that. And so I had an experience to see it firsthand when they were like doing Zoom preschool. I mean, like during COVID, I mean, they were like in PK4 and we're like on a Zoom and it was like the first or second week of school. And I would like, I like left them. The teacher was there talking to them. It was like a Hebrew class. And they were talking that day about Abbas, about fathers. And I could sort of hear what was going on. And the teacher said to them, to two of them, cause they were like both sitting side by side, like, and, and what about your dad? And, um, and so my one my girl who like gets everything, she was just like, we don't have a dad. And like, very, like, not like where she felt, she was just like, we don't have a dad. And um, the teacher was like, no, no, like, maybe you call, you don't call him dad. Maybe you call him papi, like, whatever. And she's like, no, we don't have a dad. And so I like run into the room. Oh I'm my like, God. Okay, like, that's enough. Like, you know, like, so I'm like, oh no, I'm like, she, they don't have a dad. Like, it's just me and them. And the teacher looked flustered and kind of like, why oh not? God, you know, like kept going. And then called me out. She called me afterwards and she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, I usually tell the teachers before school starts, but with Zoom, it just was like a weird situation. But it showed me like that Yael in that situation knew, like she's completely, she's like, why don't these people understand that this is just our family? Right. They do ask me sometimes that, well, they've, they've said they want a dad because they want to have somebody to do fun things with on Sundays. Like that's okay. their, like, that's what they relate. If, that, if they're calling you not fun on Sundays, I'm with yeah. you in that boat. Cause I'm, I'm also not fun on Sundays. Yeah. I'm like, just, let's just hang out at home. I don't, so yeah, yeah that, that piece. And then they also, 
And then recently, I guess they talk about it with their friends because they were telling me that that I was going to have a wedding, that they were planning my wedding. Um, and it was going to be like two weeks from then, like that. What are we doing Sunday, the week after whatever, because so-and-so is like their friends. So-and-so is going to do your hair and this person's going to do your dress. Like they were like, and I'm like, why do you want me to get married? And they were like, we want you to go on a honeymoon so we can go stay with Yaya with my mom. Oh, well, you can go stay with her anytime, kids. <laughs> I know. And then I said, I'm like, but you know, like if I get married, then that person comes to live with us and they just look confused and they're like, no, we just want you to go on a honeymoon. We just want you to go away. So they don't really understand the whole to do, but they're, at least I know they're confident. Like they understand, like they don't, I, so far they don't feel like they're missing something. Cause that was a worry for me. Like, you know, like, and I have brothers and my dad. And so I try to have like male, influences in their life and this year yeah has a male teacher which i think is great so like trying to like make sure they're not lacking in that area that it's not just all women all the time right but i also think it's important for people listening and for everybody to hear that your secure attachment to adults growing up isn't always going to be in the form of a parent. You have sometimes kids who grow up in two-parent homes who didn't have healthy and secure attachments to those people for whatever reason, and their cousin, their male cousin became right. their their secure attachment and who they relied on for stability. And you can provide that to your girls in so many other ways, which is why they don't feel a sense of loss, and that's amazing. It's here. Oh my God, I can't believe it. My book is officially out in the world. Have you ordered it yet? It's called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and comes out the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. So order it now. What are you waiting for? Class is in session and it is time for you to master your divorce. I am Michelle Dempsey-Maltak, the creator of Moving On School, and I want to welcome you to Moving On 101, the one and only class you'll need in order to master the concepts of getting divorced and co-parenting your children so that you can truly move on. In this eight-week program, we'll meet week by week to help you move past each phase and first of the divorce and co-parenting process so that you can move on in an empowered way while making the best decisions for your children. Visit www.momsmovingon.com to apply for our next semester of Moving On School coming in January. With the holiday season coming up, this episode's going to be out just before the holidays. I was wondering if that was a time of year for them where they're like, you know, we need a dad for more presents because I hear that all the time from co-parented kids or uh, children who no longer have their dad in their lives. Yeah. No, I don't think that they that they relate. Maybe because I spoil them and I get them too many things. I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> yeah. 
I, no, I, I mean, not yet. I don't think so. And I'm, you know, like life is in stages. Like I, you know, like right now there's six, I know there's going to be moments where they're going to want to know a little bit more or like understand more like that they don't have a dad and other people do. And like, I think I've tried as best as I can to prepare, but you can't really ever prepare for like what those questions. No. And they come in, they come out of nowhere at the weirdest (laughs) times I've noticed at least in my life. Yeah. Um, Like you're like in the line at the supermarket and they're like, yeah, I mean, we were at, um, my Bella had one of her best friends sleep over the other night. And every time her friend sleeps over, she asks these questions that I'm like, I wish you, I wish you could prep me kid. Like, I wish I knew ahead of time what, what you're going to be asking. Cause this weekend it was like, well, why did you choose? Why did you choose to kiss Spencer and not Bella's dad anymore? Like, why did you want to kiss one and not the other? And I'm like, and Bella's looking at me like, what are you going to say yeah. to that? Like, I want to know. <laughs> and it's, it's the kids just put you on the spot sometimes with the funniest stuff. Okay. So we talked about relying on your village as one of these life hacks for single moms. What else would you say are your sanity saving strategies for parenting on your own? I don't know. I don't know if I've discovered that. I'm not <laughs> saying all the time. <laughs> I think that I, I mean I I think that some of it is I think it's for any parent, whether single parent or not, is is not losing sight of who you are and like making time for yourself. Like I had a very hard time with that in the beginning. Like I was so consumed with them. Like sometimes I was realizing like I would get so irritable and it would come out with them, but it was really me like not feeling like I had done anything else that day or not mm-hmm. like that nothing had happened for me. And so just trying to like, you know, I dropped them off at school and then either I do exercise or I come home and like, I make myself a cup of coffee and I get back in bed for half an hour. Like I give myself that, like, you know, like to let myself, like I had kind of like a crazy hour getting them out the door. And then now like, let me just like center myself. You know what? I think workplaces need to factor in that, that half hour for moms after the hustle and bustle of morning carpool. Cause I know for me, just getting one out the door it's like I come back like I've been through a war. Like my yeah. hair is a mess. I'm sweating. Doesn't matter the temperature outside. And I'm just like, please, nobody talk to me. I need to sit and be in the silence. There's nothing more self-care than that. Yeah. Yeah, it really is that morning. That's one of the things where sometimes I'm like, I wish somebody else could take them to school. You know, like if you're sick, you have to take them to school. Like there's that that part of it is is sometimes one of the harder parts is knowing that you don't have somebody to tag to tag in in those moments and so like yeah if i wake up i've had like a stomach virus and i still somehow have to like oh my get God. them ready and out the door and there really isn't somebody there to to do that piece sharon i could not i, I mean that <laughs> that's why they say that single moms are superheroes because it's, I couldn't imagine, but you, I mean, that's why moms are amazing because you just, you do it. You don't even think yeah, twice. Like something you just... happens in you that you're able to like, you know, uh, and any mom, like, you know, like you're just able to like do what seems like impossible somehow. And then they're there at school and you can go back to just <laughs> falling apart, you know? Right. Yeah. It happens for me. Bella will be like, what did you do after you dropped me off at school? She always wants to know. All, all the steps of my day, or if she's at her dad's, she wants to know what I'm doing. And I'm I'm like you, I'm mostly introverted. And I'm just like, not much, just breathing, <laughs> breathing deeply. Yeah. 
So what else? So tell us about traveling with them on your own. How is that? Because I know a lot of moms find, and for me, the first time I traveled with Bella by myself, I was like, oh, I felt so like powerful. And I felt I had accomplished something so amazing. And I'm always encouraging moms to do something, take a day trip, take a staycation, something where they can connect with their children one-on-one and feel really capable for having done so. I think women especially are very scared of that because it is hard to do all of this on your own. So I started actually by doing a trip with each one by themselves and me, like one-on-one instead of bringing both of them with me. So I did when they were like two years old, I took Elena to Disney, just me and her for like a day and a half. And then like a few months later, I did the same thing with Yael. And it kind of helped me figure out like, the logistics of traveling, but not having to deal with like a double stroller and two kids and like the whole to do. And then a few months after that, I took both of them to Disney and we become like a big Disney family and people are always like, don't you want to go anywhere else? But it like works for us. Like it just is something that like, it's, it's drivable. It's, um, we can just like, and and I feel like every time I'm like getting better at our whole Disney planning sort of thing. So I'm a Disney mom through and through. Yeah. I mean, I would go there every trip if I could, but that's the thing is you don't have to be, and people always say that to me, like, you know, why don't you go to Europe in the summer, show Bella something new. And I'm like, because they don't care where they are. The truth is children don't care what you do for them or how much you spend or where you take them. It's about how you make them feel and how you're able to connect with them in the moments that you do step out of your regular lives to do something different. Yeah. I mean, this a few weeks ago, I had my first flight with just me and them because we've, we've flown a lot, but there's always been like some other family member on our flight. But in, in October, the beginning of October, we went to North Carolina on the way that we were with my brothers. Yeah. We went fall. It was like amazing. So the the way back, we came back, just me and them. And I don't know if I would have been able to do it when they were, when I, when it was, they were still in strollers and you have to have like a million bags. But at this point, you know, they each have their backpack, like you have your backpack, like it's kind of like a little easier, but it did make me feel like, wow, I can do anything if I can like, you know, like, I don't know, like take the rental car back, take them, check in, like, you know, airports are hectic. Um, and make it back here like it felt very like empowering in a way to just just to be able and it makes me want to do more but like you said I also like one day I wanted to, I want to do lots of trips and like road trips and things with them but when I think that they can like appreciate those places like I don't want to set false expectations and be like I want to take them to DC just because I think it would be cool for them to see the monuments and the Smithsonian not if they're not going to like, you know, like, why would I set myself up for failure? A six-year-old won't have the patience for or my six-year-old, other six-year-olds might, but mine won't. So like kind of setting the expectations of what that trip might be so that it works for you and your kid, not trying to do this grand European vacation or California adventure or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So my final question is about bedtime. How do you split yourself in two for bedtime? <laughs> it's always been like a joint thing. I think because they're twins. Do they share a room? They do. Okay. So that makes it easier. So, yeah. So like, it's always been, um, so like reading was always like book time is always part of our bedtime. So like 
even when they were still just like one year olds, like we would just at that point, we would like sit on the floor on like a mat and they would run around, but I would be like reading books to them. And then as they got older and they got into beds, we would take turns. So each of them chose a book and then we'd start in one of their beds and then we all transfer to the other bed. Oh, that's really cute. And then, and then we, and then like, and then each one gets tucked in. And then obviously they come out like a million times, you know, the, the drill, they don't stay in bed. But um, now that they're starting to read, which I'm trying to do it similarly, like each of them choose a book, um, but they each have to read at least the first few pages of their book. And then if they get tired of reading, I'll finish the book. But we like, we still do the alternating between beds. What a special and sweet routine and something they'll always remember. I love that. I've always, you know, thought to myself, um, because people, you know, when I got divorced, made comments like, oh, thank God you only have one because it would have been so much harder with two to be on your own. And I think about that sometimes. And my one is a whole lot of one. Like, I think it's actually easier with two. I mean, in some ways, I think it's easier with two because they have a built-in play date. And so, yes, there are times where it's overwhelming because it's two, but at the same time, they can go out, like they don't need you as much. Like if they want to play, they have somebody to play with. They don't need you to be like, I want to play Barbies. I can be like, no, go play Barbies with your sister. I have no, <laughs> no interest in that, you know? Like, so I think in some ways or like with COVID when we were stuck in here, like, I was like, I can't imagine being alone. Like it was hard, but like with one, I would have had to be so on all the time that with two, I felt like, you know, like they can wake up in the morning and they play together. Like nowadays they don't wake me up at six 30 in the morning. They play for like a or watch amazing. TV or whatever for like a good, like hour, hour and a half before, like one of them is hungry enough for breakfast. And then is there just one of them, like make herself the, the, the point person like to go and like bother mom? Yes. It's because she, yeah, it is the one who actually wants breakfast, who like wants, she's, Elena could not eat breakfast at all. And like, she doesn't, she doesn't need, she's a, I think yeah, Elena's also the one that wakes her up. Like, I think Elena would sleep longer, but yeah, Elena's like, and she's the boss just in general. She's the, she thinks we went to like a kid's therapist who was like, the problem is she thinks she's the boss of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Is she older by any chance? By no, a minute or two? No, she's not. The Elena's older by a minute, but it's just her personality. She is just like, um, like sometimes like she'll interject. Like I'll be like, let's say like Elena did something wrong, and I'm trying to tell her, and then Yael interjects like, "Yes, you shouldn't have done that." I'm like, "Okay, like mind your business." Step aside. That's great. A lot of female energy in this house. So yes. before we wrap, I always like to ask, what would your big tip be or empowering words for any mom who is setting off on their single mom journey and terrified? Well, I think it's normal to be terrified. If you're not, then I don't, you know, I think it's, it's very normal to be terrified, but listen to your gut. Um, and that really, like, if we want, it's cliche, but like God only gives us what we can handle. Like, because when I found out I was having twins, I was like, this is not what I had in mind. I was going <laughs> to be a single mom to one. Right. Um, but I think that like the things come to us that we can handle and really like you're going, I, I think like trust your gut, even with every like parenting decision, 
you know what's right for you and your like family of one or your family, you know, like your, your little family that you created and just trust that or don't let the fear of what other people are going to say stop you from going on this journey. That's, and that is the fear that stops so many. I love that. That is a beautiful place to wrap. Sharon, thank you so, so much for being here. It was great talking with you. And I really appreciate you so candidly sharing your story. To everybody listening, thank you so much for being here. If you have questions for Sharon, you can just send them to me and I'll try and get them answered for you. Have a great day, everyone. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my moving on method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Maltak, Certified Divorce and Co-Parenting Specialist, and I founded the Moving On Method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.